Good morning, everybody. It's Jeff Goldberg for the Sales Pro Network here with another episode to help you sell more effectively and increase your income. It is Friday, March 11th. I'm broadcasting from Long Island. And as you know, the Sales Pro Network is a place where you can come and share your ideas, get great coaching and answers to your questions, network with other sales professionals. And every Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern, I either bring you an incredibly wonderful guest who can add value to the profession of sales or I do a live training. Today, there's no live training because I found somebody terrific for you guys. It is my pleasure to introduce you to Prosperity Mindset Coach, Chris Salem. Good morning, Chris. Jeff, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to speak to you because I think we could all use a little more prosperity, yes? Absolutely, especially in these days that we're living in. (laughs) Yes. You know, my, my sister just texted me. She lives in Las Vegas. She goes, I just paid five oh nine a gallon for gas. I can't believe it. I'm like, yeah, ours is right behind you. I think we all really do need a little yeah. more prosperity. I, I saw some signs where even with, I think diesel is almost at seven. <laughs> I think in California they're paying five fifty and six dollars a gallon. Oh, so easy. It's it's what it is. Anyways, so let's get let's get more prosperous. Could you start off maybe by giving us a two or three minute version of what brought you up to this point? Tell us a little bit about your background. Well, my background is I, I came, you know, I had a sales background. I spent a number of years in sales and I uh, did that for, oh God, about 20 something plus years uh, selling for, uh, working for organizations, selling for organizations, leading sales teams. And then from there, it was more of kind of like a, a life decision that I wanted to spend more time with my son, who was at the time an infant, and I wanted to be more involved in his day to day. So I I ended up migrating into executive coaching. Now I had already been coaching in some way with uh, with salespeople that I've been doing over at least about a twelve year period. So that that transition was kind of seamless for me. Other than that, I had to start from scratch and build a business. Uh, but nonetheless, you know, you know, in hindsight, it all worked out really well, and I love what I do. But if you if you don't mind, my backstory that really got me into what I do really when it focuses on the mindset was from my own personal struggles for the first few years of my life. And from those, those 30 years, I was, I had ADHD. I was a perfectionist. I was a codependent and, and my codependency, my behavior, my communication was very passive and aggressive. It was both. And that, that's a difficult person to deal with. Now, I had a good work ethic, and that's what got me by, and I was a good salesperson. But after a, a longer period of time, people would, would begin to say, oh, this guy is Ugh, because of my passive-aggressive behavior and communication. And that all went back to my, my past with my father. You know, he, My father was never around, and I developed these limiting beliefs. They didn't know it at the time that I had this strong need for validation because I didn't get it from my father. So I carried that into my my teens and my college years and in my throughout my 20s, always seeking this validation in other people. So I could become a pleaser and enabler. That's the passive side. And then I could be very demanding and aggressive, which was the aggressive side, obviously. And nonetheless, it was just a very difficult time. I was str- I was in fight or flight mode almost every day of my life. I had back problems, struggled from 12 years of addiction. Uh, with sexual addiction, alcohol, and drugs. And it was just a life-changing moment when my father passed away at the age of 56, which my opinion from his own living beliefs, that impacted that change into changing that I was no longer to be the victim. This was about developing a mindset that I can operate in the solution and embrace the challenge. So I had to reprogram my brain. 
And that's what I've dedicated my life to in helping sales professionals and working with uh, high performers in, in business, whether if they're entrepreneurs. And I've been doing that now for 23 years and now almost 12 years as an executive coach. Wow. Uh, yeah, I can't relate at all to any of that, Chris, and I, I'm sure nobody else can either. My father spent time in mental institutions, literally, and so he was mentally there sometimes and mentally absent. And, you know, I be also became a people pleaser and looking for validation. In fact, I still do, you know, with audiences every day. I, I don't get enough of people listening to me during the week when I'm training them. I, I do stand-up comedy on the weekends, too, because I can't get enough love uh, <laughs> ever, right? So I'm with you a million percent. By the way, good morning. Uh, if you're watching us live, please do put your name in the comments. If you are on Facebook and you have not connected your Facebook account to StreamYard, we won't know who you are. It just says Facebook user. So please include your name. And if you're watching on the replay, please put, please put replay in the comments. Good morning, Valerie and Barry Heffron. Good to see you. Good morning, Larry Weiss, the phone guy. And good morning, Don Levine, our executive recruiter. So, um, so Chris, you know, you deal with high performing people and people who want to become high performers. Yes. Why 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 do so many people struggle? Really have to work incredibly hard when it comes to being successful and so many people just never get there. Why do people struggle so much? Well, I think the reason why people struggle is because they're operating it from a place of fear. Uh we we have, you know, there's two kinds of mindsets. There's the fixed mindset and the growth mindset. Most of the world operates from a growth mindset. It's evident in what we're living in. Look at what's all around us, right? You know, with all the stuff going on in Ukraine and Russia, you know, going on here, anywhere. And when you operate from a fixed mindset, you're operating in the past and the future. And what happens is when something triggers, a, a situation triggers the fear, that fear automatically, subconsciously and unconsciously goes back to the past to your childhood, and it and attaches itself to a limiting belief or beliefs, that gets projected forward simultaneously into the future, and that will that begins to tell you from the inner critic that you know I can't do this. Who, who do I think I am? I'm I'm an imposter. You know all of the all of the above, and these are the things that greatly impact your self esteem, self confidence in a negative way, how you communicate to yourself and other people, how you. Uh, don't take calculated risks, how you don't follow through with action, how you get caught up in shiny object syndrome and procrastinate, or you're busy but not productive. The whole idea here is, is because people are stressed and have anxiety and struggle because they're caught up in the control they can't control. And the control you can't control is not just, you know, what's going on in the Ukraine and Russia or gas prices here or COVID and the economy and inflation. Can't control that. But it's the ability that you can't control five things in other people. And those five things are communication, what people perceive, what you're going to say, your, their behavior, their attitude, their emotions to what's happening, and their course of action. You can't control that. You can only control those five things in yourself. But too many people get caught up in, in, in trying to get caught up in the control of other people, what they're going to say, how they're going to perceive them. Oh, their behavior was you know, you know, intimidated me or they have a bad attitude and makes you decide to have a bad attitude. You 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 become a you become a victim of the of the of the environment that you're in when you're around putting that power into other people's hands. When you can learn to control the five things that you can control every day, and that's your own communication to yourself and other people, being specific, clear and concise, not based on assumption, speculation, your behavior being assertive, not passive or aggressive or both. 
a positive attitude, looking at things happening for you, not to you. And that's what the emotions are. Your emotions are happening for you, not to you, to help you learn something or to go through something to grow and become more and then achieve better results. And then the ability to take massive action within the control. When you can focus on that every day, letting go, surrendering completely to the five things and other people and situations, that's where the magic happens. This is what where we break through certain areas that we've never dreamed of, or we get to the next level in our sales career and, and our business to the next level, whatever that may be. That is what, what the definition of moving from a fixed mindset to a growth mindset is. And there is a process to do that, which I did not explain, but I'd be happy to do that. Got it. By the way, if you guys have any question, questions for Chris, please put them in the comments and I'll be happy to ask. Uh, you know, uh, it took me quite a while with my coach, who was the amazing Liz Bentley, uh, to realize that I had wasted so much time and energy trying to fix people around me. And if there's one thing I learned from her, and it, it took a little beating into my head on her part for a while, but it's that you can only fix the person in the mirror. Yeah. You can't fix anybody else. Yeah. So we're yeah. going to waste a lot of time and energy trying to do that, piss people off and frustrate ourselves. When really, if you invest the time in working on yourself, the only thing you can do, that's where the payoff comes. Yes. Yes, absolutely. You got to look at this as a process. The results that you seek are a byproduct of this process of controlling what you can, letting go of what you can't. Too many people, it's okay to have a vision, a vision of what you're looking to accomplish. But if you attach yourself to the outcome or the expectation to it, actually happens. You get caught up in the, the circumstances behind your control. You get caught up in other people, the expectation itself, because other people in, will be involved in that situation. And then you become frustrated, disappointed, and so on. Instead of looking at it as a process where what can I can control today? I'm not worried about tomorrow, next week, the week after, what happened last week or yesterday. I'm right here right now. It's like a puzzle. These are the pieces I have, and this is what I'm working with today. When tomorrow comes, whatever pieces are available, I'll work with that to add to the puzzle. That's the secret in terms of moving yourself forward in whatever success means to you, even in your sales career. Yes. And and, and taking responsibility for yourself and stop trying to yeah. put it on others. I know for myself, uh, one of the things that came out of my, my stopping fighting so much uh, with my ex-wife was when I accepted that she wasn't re responsible for everything that I was actually responsible for at least 50% of what wrong. And I communicated that with her and it caused an instantaneous shift instead of trying to blame her for everything and make her wrong and try to fix her, which never, ever worked. Uh, not, not that she doesn't have things that she can improve just like I do. But when I stopped trying to do that, our entire relationship just shifted and we've gotten along great for the last yeah. few years now. It, it's so funny that you think you can fix things by beating them into submission, but, that only works in, in a boxing match, I guess. Yes. So why is it that uh, as human beings, we seem to be so resistant to change? Well, again, it's, it's the fear. It's the fear of, of change. You know, people, people feel, will, will feel more comfortable being comfortably uncomfortable versus, you know, being uncomfortable to be comfortable. But the key is, is you never want to become complacent. You never want to be just comfortable it's okay to feel good, but knowing that growth always happens when we start ourselves, when we learn and put ourselves into new experiences, not into danger, things that will threaten your life. But if you play things safe and conservative all the time, things become stagnant. Growth only happens 
from what we embrace challenges. Without challenges, we can't learn to be, to become, and do, and have better results. Plain and simple. So, so the thing is, this is a, there's no destination here. And that's the thing I think people are, are, are seeking. There's a destination. Like, I'm going to go to this exotic island and everything is now going to be ideal. Life doesn't work that way. If, if you can get that out of your head and know it's a process, it's, it's about experience. It's about the journey, not the destination. You will have a more fulfilled life, more fulfilled career in sales. So when you, when you do get that big accomplishment, you land that big deal or you, 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 you beat your quota, well, oh, great, celebrate, enjoy. And now you're on to the next objective and goal. That's, that's it. That's what it's all about. It's not like, oh, I've arrived. There's no arrival. It's continuously yeah. moving forward. Yeah, it's funny how no matter how well you do for a year, you could crush your quota and really have your best year ever. The company never, ever says you did such a great job this year. Take it easy next year. There's always a higher quota every single time. They yeah. just ra- they'll just raise up your, your quota. <laughs> every time. Yeah. And, and you know, you, you're talking about another subject that, you know, I worked on a lot with my coach, which was you've got to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. It's, yes. it's like going to the gym. If you're not uncomfortable, you know, if you're not feeling it when you're working out, you're not doing anything because you've got to break down the muscle and it builds back up. And it, that does take work and it often takes some pain. And it's the same thing in life. You've got to you've got to put in the work. You've got to be willing to put in the effort. Look, uh, you know, I guess there are people, some people who feel, you know, 100 percent comfortable every moment of every day. I do feel comfortable on most stages. But when I get onto a comedy stage, there's that moment before I go on where. Oh, man, what if I bomb? What if they don't love me? And that's an uncomfortable feeling. But, you, you know, you work through it. You go out into the, the, the light and you pick up the microphone and you do what you got to do. And sometimes it works out and sometimes it doesn't. But you grow exactly. every time. I, I get it. So what does it mean to actually step into your fear? We all have fears. And I don't know that all fears are bad. But what does it mean to step into your fear? Well, the step into your fear is, again, to, you know, know that that the fear, if it doesn't, if the fear does not threaten your life. If somebody were hanging you over a cliff by your ankles, okay, that's, that's a real fear, right? You know, somebody, if they let you go, you're, you're dead. But most people fear things more than that situation, believe it or not. It, it's, it's ironic. So again, it all goes back to those limiting beliefs that affect our self-esteem, confidence, that are, play, that are working behind the scenes to make you feel that way. So the key is, is we got to step into the fear so we can identify where the bottlenecks are. Where is the root cause to the source of my lack of confidence and self-esteem? Because it's when we can get to the root cause of our limiting beliefs and remove them, reprogram the way we think. This is the magic for any sales professional, because your level of confidence and self-esteem is even though it's invisible, people pick up on it. It opens up new opportunities. It, it draws people to you. You become, they look at you now as a trusted advisor, not just a financial advisor or an insurance agent or a real estate agent or software salesperson. You are someone that can really listen at a high level, ask questions and be able to really see the bigger picture with them to gain that trust. So for me, again, stepping into that fear is to do the things that you're afraid of, knowing that when you can go through that and, and remove those bottlenecks. Doesn't mean that once you do that, everything is great. You got to maintain it. And so like having a daily routine, a success routine, building a foundation, these are all critical to kind of keep you in the moment operating from a growth mindset, which will be, which will allow you to embrace this fear. So you're not feeling the fear as much as you used to, but you're, you're embracing it. 
So how does somebody get to the root cause? Because, uh, yeah. you know, my understanding, because I've done a lot of work in this area, and I thought I'm an expert like you at it, but almost everything we do is based on stuff that happened to us before we were eight or nine years old. So how, yeah, do we get back to, how do we get back to that stuff that really made yep. such a deep imprint that it's still running us 10, 20, 50 years later? Yeah. And that, it's not like you got to go to a psychologist and go, have this regressive hypnosis therapy. I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying you, you know, you can, you, if you decide to do that, absolutely. But it's a simple, it's a process of doing meditation and journaling every day. Not once in a while, because people will say, yeah, I, I did it a few times this week. That's not it. It's got to be every day. I've been meditating and journaling for over 23 years, seven days a week, 365, never missed a day. It's that discipline and consistency that takes you from here to here. And it's that discipline and consistency that will also in time get you to the root cause. Now, I had ADHD. It took me seven months before I could get into a meditative state. I had to white knuckle it. I hated it for the first four or five months because my mind was wandering immediately after five seconds. I couldn't sit still. But eventually I kept doing it, doing it, doing it, and I eventually got into a theta wave state. And over time, I'm able to get into my unconscious and subconscious mindset to begin to see where all this stuff was deeply rooted that was affecting my confidence, the things that I was doing that wasn't serving me, the things that led to me living an addictive lifestyle. And I was able to you know, find out that, again, it was, it, it was rooted to my father. But with me, it was that need for validation. I had to remove that need for validation. Now, it's not like you flip a switch and it goes off. It takes some time. But when I was able to fully release it from every cell in my body and reprogram my way of thinking, and, and there was more to just the meditation and journaling, of course. There was other things like making my bed and working out, reading, other things that kept me focused that led to that, that shift where my, my, my way of thinking changed from mental toughness and my self-esteem and confidence went up, not in a, from a place of being egotistical or arrogant, but being very calm very collective, learning to effectively communicate to myself and other people, active listening of others, asking questions, building that rapport. And it wasn't because, you know, that I was out to have people like me because that, that that's a pleaser. I'm not a pleaser anymore. It's about how how can I be the example and be a resource for others to do for themselves? And that might mean that some people may not like you and that's OK. I'm not here. I'm not here to try to win over your friendship. I'm here to just live the life that I'm living. And if it can help you to do for yourself, wonderful. And if that can help you in your business, wonderful. And that's that's the whole idea of becoming more interdependent in your communication be, uh, behavior and impacting others to take uh, uh, you know, control over their personal success to you know move their sales career forward in this case. Got it. We've got some questions and comments, but before we do that, you said something that <clears throat> is so crucial. Um, you became very disciplined. You know, so many people are completely undisciplined or they don't know how to be disciplined. So how do you develop that discipline that says, you know what, I'm writing in my journal every day for 20 years or whatever the, the number, yeah. some staggering number you just said, seven years. Uh, how do I get myself to do that every day, especially on the days that I don't want to? How do I get myself to work out, to eat right? All those things. Look, discipline makes a huge difference in your life and a lack of discipline can really screw you over. So Absolutely. how do we develop that discipline if it doesn't seem innate? Well, just think about there's discipline and there's motivation. Most people are, are waiting for the motivation. If I, once I, I feel like it's something telling me to get motivated to go to the gym or, 
to read a chapter or two out of a book every day, to meditate every day, then I'm going to do it. Here's the secret. That day is never going to come. Because if you're relying upon intrinsic internal motivation, it will not happen. You go to a Tony Robbins thing. Yeah, you might get that little, like like a cup, if you would drink some espresso, you get that jolt of of energy. That's what intrinsic motivation is not going to be the answer either. So if you're looking for someone to motivate you, then you better be around Tony Robbins every day. And if you're going to pay that money to do it, good luck. Discipline means you do it regardless when it's the last thing that you desire to do. It's just like the Nike slogan. Just do it. I I, I got to go to the gym at five o'clock. God, I really don't want to get up. Well, I'll go tomorrow. Nope. You pick yourself up, you go. You're going to hate it at first, but you do it anyway. That is the only way. The discipline and the consistency will be your worst enemies at first but they will become your best friends long-term because without those two working in tandem, nothing is going to change. Interesting. You're just managing I, the problem. Yeah. I, I just uh, was showing a video yesterday by some who I'd never heard of this lady, but apparently she's very popular. Mel Robbins. Yes. And, uh, she has a five, four, three, two, one technique that she says is miraculous that, you know, it, that, that just by counting down five, four, three, two, one, when you don't want to do something five, four, three, two, one, and then you just do it. So it somehow she gave, gave a long, pretty detailed explanation how it, you know, what that does in your brain to interrupt your negative pattern. And uh, that sounded really interesting. Let's uh, take some of these comments. Uh, Here's a question from uh, Valerie down in Florida. I definitely struggle with perfectionism. I'm stuck right now with writing a sponsorship offering and I keep rewriting it from scratch because I'm never happy with it. Any advice? Yeah. So, I mean, I can relate to what Valerie just said, because Valerie, I'm a recovering perfectionist. Uh, my mother also, that was a trait that I picked up from my mother. My mother, everything had to be perfect. Everything was in order. See, the reality is it's learning to say that we can only control what we can control. And again, it's not about being your best or, or being the best, excuse me. It's about being your best. That doesn't mean that it's going to be perfect. So it's just knowing that that whatever that sponsorship is and how it's going to impact somebody, just do your best. And I know it's easy to say and to do is another thing, because I mean, just saying what I'm saying is, you know, it, it we just got to go really deep from within and just know that perfectionism is just another side of something that, you know, that that's holding us back, something that's limiting us. And we feel that when we when we try to be perfect, it's going to overcompensate for that. So there, there is a there is a root cause to this. There's something bigger at a deeper level that could be causing this because I know it was for me. But it's learning to let go that I don't have to be. I'm I'm an organized person, but I'm not ultra organized. You know, so I, you know the things that used to bother me, you know, 20 years ago. I mean, I don't even think about it anymore. I'm like, right, why did I worry about that? But it didn't it didn't happen overnight. So my advice is to you know develop a routine of really coming into the moment, being present, uh, having a routine of meditation, journaling, maybe making your bed. Uh, it could be reading, you know, something that, that you know, that, that keeps you focused in that on something that you're, you're, you're absorbing knowledge to help move yourself forward. Those were the things that helped me. When I was able to remove my limited beliefs. That's when that, that grasp to perfectionism began to lose its power. And over time, I began to release it to the point where now it's about progress over perfection. Yeah, there's the old saying that, you know, perfection is the enemy of progress. 
Yes. Uh, and most things really don't need to be perfect. My, my, my daughter is studying aerospace engineering and she may someday be, you know, designing rockets. Those need to be perfect. Everything has to be exact. But a proposal, it, it doesn't need to be. It, it, you know, yeah. most things simply don't need to be perfect. There's an old saying in one of the personal development programs that I used to uh, attend regularly that uh, if you wait to go to the city until all the lights are green, you're going to be waiting a long, long time. Yeah. Get in your car and start driving. I think the trick is get going. Uh, what I find is it's hard to get going, but it's much easier to keep going. So it's taking yeah. that first, maybe it is that five, four, three, two, one, or just saying, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. I gave it my best shot. I've fixed it two or three times. This is good enough. I, I know for me, the perfectionism was also a front for the fear of success. I had, I said I, I was looking for success, but the perfectionism kept me comfortable not to, because mm. if I had failure, then I was, I was imperfect, but failure is part of the process to success. Without failure, we, we can't grow to, to achieve the things we're looking to do. And perfectionism keeps us in the, in the starting gate. Like we just, we don't never get out of the gate because we're not allowing ourselves to fail. But every great success has failed. The Elon Musk's of the world have failed multiple times. The, the Mark Zuckerbergs, all of them have failed multiple times to do that, that you, you don't hear about it, but it, but it, no one's immune to it. But nonetheless, I welcome failure. I welcome challenges now, whereas I resisted, I avoided it. That's why I was an addict for 12 years. Addicts run away from those things and that's what we do. So yeah, hopefully that helps, but I can relate to everything she said because I, I lived it. Yeah, Edison is probably the the best example. You know, with the, with the light bulb, they say he he invented. You know, he tried ten thousand different things until he found the one that actually worked. And uh, my coach had an interesting take on that fear of success because I used that on her once. You know, why do you think you do that, Jeff? Well, I think I'm maybe afraid of success. And she actually laughed at me. She goes, "Nobody's afraid of success. What we're afraid of is failing because we don't want to yeah. look bad." Yeah, uh, we're afraid of success. You know, so uh, you know, it, it, Valerie, you're already successful. Go yeah, send out that proposal. Go get it. Let's see. Uh, we've got uh, Don Levine says, uh, whenever someone doesn't do something, it's almost always out of fear. False evidence. There's the Tony Robbins thing. False evidence appearing real. Yep. Greeting uh, from Dr. Rick Atkins. Emotional wellness and intelligence dictates our success in life. Yes. Uh, one of the best ways to overcome that false fear is to incorporate an accountability partner. I love Accountability that. is so important, not only for yourself, but with other people. Somebody made a great point, Donald, there. Uh, accountability is key. And I do mention that in my book and, and and that's something that I include in all of every time I work with people, you have accountability is the glue that makes this process stick together. Yeah. Let's see. Uh, Keith Ginsburg says another stellar session. Thank you. Doctors. The fear is worse <laughs> than the actual event. I love it. And he also says that's a keeper. Uh, let's see. Dr. Rich also says responding with fight or flight means one is deciding based on emotion. Usually decisions are made from emotion or, or decisions made from emotion aren't good ones. The emotionally charged person needs to engage higher order thinking to get off the emotional treadmill. One needs to start thinking again because when they're emotional, they're not thinking. Nine eleven. Yeah, that's a great point uh, where Rich made. You, you, never, you never should make a decision or communicate anything important from a situation that triggers a negative emotion because you're going to end up saying something that's going to work against you and your behavior is going to support that and magnify that situation in a negative way. It's learning to say, okay, I'm just going to take a deep breath. If that does it, then you can talk. If you feel that you got to remove yourself and come back an hour later when you're in a better state of mind, that's key. 
emotion when when emotions are happening for you, when you allow it, when you think that way, that's the, that's going to serve in a positive way rather than it's happening to you. When it happens to you, you're now you're giving up your control to what you can control, which we talked about the five things, because you're now caught up in the control you can control. You're a victim. You're you're you know excuses. That's what we're operating from. But when we when it's happening for us, even if you're going through a difficult situation. You see the blessings and opportunities disguised in it to what you become. I see opportunities every time now in difficult situations that I was ignorant and blind to 20, 23 years ago. Yeah, I was just listening to something on the radio yesterday, and this guy was saying, look, terrible things are happening in the world. Guess what? There's great opportunity. If you yep. just look for it, there's great somewhere. Somebody's going to make a bunch of money off of this horrible war in Ukraine and everything else that's going on. Uh, Fran says, good morning from Texas. Good morning, Fran. And somebody says, failure is a great teacher. There were 39 WDs at first. I'm not sure what a WD is. Do you know what a WD is? WD, yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm, it's not, I'm, I'm sure it'll come, but it's not registering me with yet. Facebook user, if you could let us know what a WD is, we'd love to know. Uh, so what is a prosperner? Yeah, so a prospereur is a term. It's so funny. I mean, this this was about I don't know seven, eight, maybe almost eight years ago now. It, it woke me up out of a dead sleep. I remember I woke up at around two fifteen in the morning, and I had this term prospereur. I'm like, okay. Now most people would just say, yeah, whatever. You know, just you know, put your head back in the pillow, go to bed. Something just told me to get up. I went downstairs and I wrote it down. And I went to my office, I wrote it down, and I began to look on Google or, you know, one of the browsers at the time. And I looked up no prospereur, and then I looked up pro- prosper, and I looked up entrepreneur and began to see if there was any, nothing. But so eventually I, I felt there was something to this term. And what it means is, is when you're looking for success in your business in life, it's all about harmony. It's not about balance. There's nothing, there's not, there, it, it, even if you were on a seesaw and the access point, it's going to require a lot of energy to keep it like that. It's going to teeter. So you got to look at your life as a seesaw teetering where you, where you're going to, you're going to give a little bit more to your, your, your career, sometimes than your, your personal life. And then sometimes you got to give it a little more to your person to keep that within harmony. So it's all about looking at the eight pillars of wellness, making sure that we are in alignment with our well-being, that is our social well-being, our relationship with ourselves and other people, our emotional well-being, free from limiting beliefs, operating in the solution, physical well-being, that we take care of our physical bodies, financial well-being, again, how we, uh, what our, our relationship and dialogue is with money and, and net worth, our spiritual well-being, not only belief in your higher power, Belief in yourself. A lot of people believe in a higher power, but have no belief in themselves. It's a two-way street. If the higher power is going to do its magic, that's the power you can't control. You got to control what you can control, and that's yourself. You got to believe in yourself. No matter, even if you're going through a tough time, you still got to, you got to, you got to get strong and deep mental toughness to deep, dig deep to do it. The occupational wellness. What is the purpose and why and what you do? Uh, um, intellectual intelligence. It's just like how you stimulate your body with working out. How do you stimulate your mind? You're not watching five hours of TV. You're not on social media all day. You are doing puzzles, trivia. You're doing things, reading things that stimulate you and grow your mind. And then your mental wellness, your environment, where you work, where you live, your car, is it organized? Not perfect, not ultra organized, 
yet not cluttered either. That somehow you find that harmony. When you can have that harmony in your well-being and then you can align that with your wealth, that is your fr freedom to do what you love to do, you know, your, your net worth, you know, your, the business that you're in, say, using those same principles. And we got both the wellness and wealth in alignment. That is what a, a definition of what a prospereur is. You don't have to be an entrepreneur to be a prospereur. And then I ended up trademarking that name uh, back uh, about seven years ago. So I, I use it as a slogan called America's Prospereur. Got it. And I just got the answer that we were looking for before. Uh, whoops. Well, we need that too. Somebody uh, is asking, can you please post a link to Chris's book? Yeah, I can. Uh, I, it is on Amazon and Barnes and Noble. Uh, Master, it's called Master Your Inner Critic. Looks there like Keith go. Ginsburg is giving us the link. There you go. Keith Ginsburg helping you out. Uh, Thank you. Here's what I was going to show you. Uh, apparently, and Dr. Rich Atkins, he, I'm, I'm fortunate to have uh, not just to know him. He's a friend. Uh, we have dinner like once a month, once every two months, and he's a very smart guy. Apparently, there were 39 WD-40s before W. Well, this is the oh, so WD-40 that we have. It There were 39 first. He he has he knows lots of cool stuff like that. It. I love that. I learned something today. Thanks, Rich. I I didn't. I mean, when I when I know with WD forty, but now it that it makes sense. Love it. He's actually a fascinating guy, musician. I mean, just a really talented guy and a, a fun guy to know. Um, what what is your inner critic, and how do we master that? Yeah. Well, the inner critic again is that voice that operates from a fixed mindset, from fear. It's the it's that voice. That's always telling you're not enough. You're not worthy. Who do you think you are? Though, again, those are some of the things that your mind, it's that voice that, that, you know, over time that can really, you know, really work against you. And, you know, this is sometimes what people are listening to that people have, that have contemplated or committed suicide. And again, this is accumulation of things over time, but it all goes back to these experiences that go back way back to the past through limiting beliefs and then attach itself to what we've experienced in our adult lives. So it's a matter of are we are we going to listen to our inner critic or our inner champion? And the inner champion represents the growth mindset, knowing that that whatever has happened to you in the past that was beyond your control. OK, you could have went through horrific things, trauma. You could have been in a sales and been laid off by four companies and you feel like an absolute failure. That these things are happening for you. Know that things are always happening for you, not to you. The only reason why it can get worse is if you choose to control the things you can't control and continue to self-sabotage yourself, then maybe different. But knowing that anything that goes bad ends up becoming good. Because think about the people that had horrific things that have happened in the past. Today, they're in, in roles now. They're helping millions of people to find salvation, to help millions of people to recover and helping people in business to be better at what, what, why, and what to overcome these challenges. We can't experience that side without experience that, that negative side. So we have to look at these things as learning, learning uh, opportunities that, that's happening for us, not to us. And if we don't learn from it, then we continue to, again, you're going to re-experience it again in a different situation. That's what limiting beliefs do. You have a role in, in some way with the energy of bringing on new situations that will keep reinforcing this until you get it, until you learn. Yeah. And so I, I, I learned that the hard way. <laughs> yeah, so you're talking about that little voice that's inside all our heads. It's constantly yeah. talking to us, often negatively. 
you're, you're yeah. not good enough. You don't deserve. You're so stupid. You're so fat. You're such a loser. All that stuff. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I always say, you know, if you don't know what little voice we're talking about, it's the little voice that just said, what little voice are they talking about? Because it, yes. it is always chatting to us. Keith Ginsburg says uh, the inner critic sometimes referred to as the ex-wife. The ex-wife. <laughs> and Don Levine says landmark education calls that your always active voice. Indeed, yeah. they do. So is that the same thing as you're talking about? Is that the inner CEO? Yeah, it's like like an inner yeah inner you could call it an inner CEO inner champion absolutely. Uh, I know a friend of mine, uh, Gerhard Geschwanter, who runs Selling Power Magazine, sure. uh, runs the Sales 3.0 conferences. He uses inner CEO in from the mindset because he's also does things in in the areas that I do, and we've collaborated before in the past. So he calls that that's his term, the inner CEO. I call it the inner champion. Got it. So um, clearly. Salespeople are more successful when they, they're confident, motivated. What can we do uh, uh, on our own to boost our levels of confidence and motivation? Again, it comes down to, you know, how we think. How we think determines how we be. How we be determines what we become. What we become determines how we do things. And how we do things will determine how we achieve results at a higher level. It's learning to trust the process of controlling what you can in the moment letting go of everything else that it's beyond your control and letting the results be a byproduct of that process. So it, 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 it all also stuck, it stems from having a daily routine, habits that are going to serve you, not work against you, operating from your own core values. Many people don't realize you're operating from somebody else's values. I know I did for 30 years. I was operating from my father's values for 30 years of my life. Didn't even realize I was doing it. And the reason why I did it, which not not knowing it, was because it was my way of, again, getting his validation that it, that it never got fulfilled. So when I learned to really assess what my values were, how does that align with your business? How does that align? If you work for somebody, how does that align with the, with the company you work for? If you're working for someone where your values are complete contrast to the company, then you're in the wrong company. Why you're for, you're trying to force something that's not going to happen, or you're 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 selling to customers that are complete get get new customers. Again, they don't have to be the same values, but they have to be shared values. People subconsciously connect on shared values. It's like energy, and when you can become a trusted advisor from that and see the bigger picture than other than just what you sell or service you provide, you become more valuable to them. You're more compelling to them. And when they do their part to have a better experience with what you provide them, they're going to come back and they're going to refer people. So to me, it's having that foundation, having that foundation of 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 operating from, uh, uh, you know, uh, from a growth mindset, mental toughness, a daily routine of habits that serve you operating from your core values, finding how that connects with uh, on a shared level with other people to really create more interdependency versus codependency to move things forward. Yep. So, so I'm, I'm buying every word you're saying, but it brings up a question. Um, we're living in a world that is certainly challenging. Uh, it's certainly crazier than any time in my nearly 70 years. Uh, you know, there's so much going on. Um, and I'm torn between wanting to stay abreast of what's going on because the world is nuts and if you got to stay aware, yeah. but there's so much negativity that, I mean, you could be Tony Robbins himself and you can't be listening to whatever news station you listen to all day long and not be affected by it. So uh, how important is it to 
keep some of that stuff out? And how do you balance staying uh, aware of what's going on while maintaining that positive mindset? Well, again, it, it, it's, a, it's a daily process. And even I, even though I've been doing it for 23 years, I can't rest on my laurels. I can't become complacent. I, again, it's that discipline. I just got to keep doing those things that are going to keep me in the moment. Now, we're human. I'm not like that, you know, that everything is, you know, ideal and, you know, I don't have any problems and I, you know, I, I don't react some, of course, but, but, it, but, it, but it's nowhere near like it was back in the day. So, again, it goes back to progress over perfection. You just got to come up and say to yourself that I can only control these five things. And if you can just focus on that and commit to your root, daily routine every day and focus on the priorities that matter and trust that process. These are the things that will move you forward. Stop trying to control what you can't control because a lot of the things that happen are beyond your control. Like I, I'll give you an example, uh, Jeff. I remember I, I used to I develop a routine. I call it give without expectation, receive without resistance. So I would go out and service my customers in sales. I would go above and beyond just what I sold or what uh, service I provided. I would, you know, help them whatever was good for them personally or their business overall. When I gave without expectation, I didn't do it from a place of pleasing and enabling them. That's codependent. I did it from a place from empathy and kindness, meaning that I was the example for them to do for themselves. I was resourceful. But when it came back from somewhere else, I received. So there would be some days on Fridays that I would say, I'm not going to go to my computer. I'm not going to go see a client today. I'm going to get in my car and just go for a drive for two or three hours. Do nothing except think in the moment, enjoy the scenery. Uh, unless it was a you know a snowy day, maybe I wouldn't do it that then. But with that being said, there were many times I would get a lot of my sales that would come through on that day. Call it coincidence. Letting go of the control. I can't I can't force them to make the decision. I can't go in their head and say, yes, say yes. Let it just do your part, do your part. And that I, that's when I began to see the magic in that statement. And I've lived by it for many years. And I always mention it every time I, I speak at industry events, uh, when I'm, you know, when I'm doing workshops and coaching, some people get it, you know, they hear it, but they don't put it into, into effect, but the ones that do and, and do it every day, they start to see how this, I call it, it's the law of prosperity. It's how it works. There's plenty on, there's plenty, there's plenty of prosperity in this world for all of us, but you don't, you may not realize that you're denying yourself that prosperity through your lack of habits, your lack of vision, you're caught up in negativity, you're caught up in the things you can't control. And those are the very things that could be repelling your prosperity. Yeah, I, I definitely live with the theory of abundance. There's plenty for everybody. But my question is really about how, how do you, so do, do you listen to the news? Do you watch the news or listen to the no. news? Not at all. Zero. I don't pay attention. No. I mean, I still, I mean, once in a while, I mean, I might hear something what's happening, but I, I have no interest in getting caught up. I, I have no interest in politics. I have no, I, I don't take this the wrong way. I'm very spiritual, ultra spiritual. I'm not, I'm not religious. So, um, you know, but, but I, but I, I, that's just me. I don't get caught up in any of that stuff because that, that stuff will now say, oh, I got to get caught up in the control. I can't control. I don't want to live that life anymore. And I haven't in many years, I'm focusing on the things that, that, that where, where I'm in the moment to move me forward 
And these are the things I, I, I strive to be the example and be a resource for others, no matter what role I show up in as a father, a husband, as a member of my community, as a ex business executive coach, as a business and corporate trainer. I, 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 I just put that out there and then people get to decide what they're going to do with it. So you just keep the whole thing out because it's it's not sustaining you. It's not adding to you. Okay, I got no. it. Yeah, so I, I'm struggling with that one personally because um, I want to keep out as much negativity as I can, but I yeah. also feel that we live in a dangerous, ever-changing world. And yes. if I don't realize that you know people are storming the Capitol on January 6th, if I don't understand that yeah. Putin's you know, trying to take over a sovereign country, I, I feel I'm doing myself and the world a disservice. It's, yeah. it's how do you balance not letting all that horribleness affect you on a daily basis. And your answer is don't listen to it, which I guess. Yeah, don't listen. Or again, harmony, you know, so if you're spending too much time glued to CNN all day, okay, well maybe I, I now I limit it to a half an hour, an hour and not I'm on it or I'm hearing it in the background for five, six hours while I'm working. So those are the things, again, everything is happening right now in this moment. The past is gone. The past is a good teacher to reflect, to maybe do something different that you, you know, that you learn from. Okay, that's fine. But if you're continuously operating from the past, it's it's only going to set up your future to be the same thing. Your future is created right now, what you do. I just posted something today. What why and what you do right now and the things that are doing that you're doing, if they're working for you, in three to five years the results are going to be a byproduct of that, of those very things you're doing right now. Three to five years. Yes. Uh, uh, I'm experiencing unprecedented success in my career. And people have been asking, you know, why, what, what happened? And the answer is very simple because about two years ago, I started working with a coach and I started doing a lot of social media. It's all a result of what happened a year, year and a half ago. That's, yes. that's, uh, uh, causing me to be successful now. And that's always my advice to salespeople. You want to be successful consistently, prospect consistently. You've yeah. got to constantly be reaching out to new people because anytime you stop, that means somewhere down the line, you're going to an experience, one of those downs. It, I, it's called the ups and downs of selling you good week, bad week, good month, bad month, good quarter, bad quarter. Inevitably you stop doing things that'll take you into the future that you want. Um, so, how does one become an influencer in their area of expertise? I know you have some thoughts on that. Yeah. So an influencer is, again, is, is a person that is the example and a resource for others. Again, you're seeing you're 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 helping people to see themselves what the bigger picture is that could be in their business, their personal lives, all of the above. There are five things that 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 takes to become an influencer. Number one is insight. Insight means that, you know, all the knowledge you've, you've acquired over your career or in your life. Now, all that insight is great, but it's meaningless if you're not applying it through your example, if you're not uh, applying it through ways that is compelling to other people. Maybe you're posting things that is compelling to people. Maybe you're speaking uh, in, your, in your industry, providing compelling information. You're on a podcast like Jeff and I are here that we're sharing information, being compelling. It could be through a book, whatever that may be. It's applying that insight, number one. Number two, I call it the five eyes, by the way, not these eyes, but the letter I. And the next one is initiative. You know, influencers take initiative. They're not, they're not reactive, they're, they're proactive. So they're always one step ahead 
So when things are going right, they're not saying, hey, everything's great. They're, they know that there's going to be a challenge or a problem that will happen, but they're, they got KPIs in place. They have certain ways to kind of measure. So when a problem happens, they have the data, the intellectual intelligence to draw from to know how to solve the problem quicker than later to move forward. They also do do it from a level of influence. Now, influence is not persuading someone to see your point of view. A lot of salespeople would probably think, yeah, that's what uh, influence is. No, it's not. It's sharing. It's, sim- it's, it's, it's basically you know sharing information that empowers people to draw their own conclusion, what it means to him or her. When somebody relates to you on shared values and you're compelling to them and you share something that resonates, they feel like you're listening to them, even though you didn't even have a conversation with them yet. The, I do this when I speak at industry events and people come up afterwards. I, it, they felt like, God, I, I think like we know each other, even when I've never met you before. That, that rapport is already established right there. Now, I'm not going to sell somebody immediately right now. That's what I'm saying can't happen. But that's the secret. It's it when because when people make that decision for themselves and they connect on those shared values and something compelling to them, you're building that relationship that's going to lead to something in terms of business with them or referrals from them. Then it's impact. You're always doing it with impact. Number four, you're always delivering at the highest level, you know, delivering an experience. It's not about the product, the service in itself, it's the experience with the whole process. How they, how every, everything that's involved in it, and number five is integrity. Integrity means that that you're doing the right thing when no one's looking. There have been times where people have come to me and say, "Chris, I heard about you. I think you could help me in this situation." Then they tell me specifically what's happening in their business, and I and I said, "Yeah, I can help them." But then I say to myself, "You know what? For this particular situation, I know someone that's even better than me right now, and I will do that." And I will recommend they work with that because I get it without expectation, receive without resistance. It's going to come back in something better. That's more hundred percent more aligned with what will come. So you can let to become an influencer. You can leverage that through speaking through virtual events, um, webinars, having your podcast like Jeff has here. I have two radio shows of my own being on podcasts. It could be writing articles, blogs, posting regularly, in where your audience is, uh, it can be anything. So it's again, you know, connecting with your audience, provide being compelling consistently. Again, consistent is what's going to drive you to be an influencer to help help you in your sales and drive more business. Yeah, I love all five of those, especially the last one. One of the things I've taught my three kids, who I adore, and you know, I've shared lots of lessons over life, but I, I taught them an acronym ADTRT, which stands for always do the right thing, always. Yep. Uh, I spent the first probably 30 years of my life uh, not caring much about integrity. And I took a stand for my integrity at the age of 31. And uh, I found that I used to be committed to my life being easy. And it was, but it wasn't wonderful. When I switched my commitment to my life being wonderful, it was often not easy, but often wonderful. Yeah. Yes. So, so it's really a matter of what are you committed to and who are you willing to be in the matter? Me personally, I decided I want to sleep at night with no worries. I don't want to be worried about what lie I told to somebody or how I ripped somebody off. It's just not a great way to live. Um, We've only got about eight or nine minutes left. Um, I got 17 more questions for you. Let's see. How about, um, 
Oh, this is important. Uh, salespeople are communicators, and you talk about what influences communication. What what really influences how people understand us when we communicate? Yeah, I mean, communication is is really a, a, an area that in sales is probably very very important because a lot of times we feel that we are communicating effectively, but we're really not. Now think about it: if you're not if you're not effectively communicating to yourself, do you think you're going to effectively communicate to someone else? And we think we are, but the reality is we're not. Oftentimes, when we are not effectively communicating to ourselves, we are not effectively communicating with other people. We, we, are, we are basing it on assumption and speculation. We just assume or we speculate and we're not knowing exactly what's really happening. We just, we just got it in our head. This is what it is. And this is when, when you have miscommunication. This is where things break down. Relationships sour. Things don't work out. Business deals and sales don't go through. The whole idea is that we have to be very specific, clear, and concise with our communication. We can't control what someone's going to perceive what we said. You can paraphrase it, but even then you still can't control it. But the more specific, clear, and concise you can be, even if it takes you that extra 20 seconds to say something, is going to be the difference in helping you to establish better rapport in a situation than the other way around. And it also starts with active listening. The more that we listen rather than talk, the better we will be. And active listening is the ability to relate and understand somebody before responding. We're not listening to respond. We're listening to relate and understand and ask the, the, the questions that get to what's really important to them, establish those values and rules and how people like to be communicated to. So they, we build further build that rapport. And then that eventually leads to where they begin to enroll in your business. Like, so rather than selling them, you're enrolling them into your business. So for me, communication is everything, but it starts with you before you can effectively command. There, there's a lot of other things to the communication, but too much to share here on, on the call. Yeah, I, I think that salespeople commonly make a mistake that uh, their first of all, their job is to talk, which it's not. It's actually to listen, but but also that we've got to dazzle them with our brilliance. It's not necessary. If you're no. brilliant, terrific. That's not what the prospect cares about. No. In, in my opinion, the prospect only cares about one thing: how is what you're trying to sell me going to help me? And yes. I don't need BS. Just get to the bottom line. Uh, I often find less words are better than more words. Letting yes. the prospect speak more is always better. And you've you've used a phrase a couple of times. It's very near and dear to my heart. Active listening. Most salespeople, in my experience, we suck at listening. We're horrible listeners because we think we get paid to talk. You get paid to talk. I get paid to talk, but not when we're selling. When we're selling, we get paid to ask questions and listen to the answers. Great. Um, I guess in the short time we have left, um, you, you're a career salesperson and you still sell your own services. What are some of your best tips for mastering the craft of sales? I would say that, you know, that you, you're always a student learning. We're teachers and students simultaneously. So when when you can help somebody else, wherever phase they are, take that time to do that. You know, somebody took that time for you. You've learned. Be that resource for them. But also be knowing when that you, it, it's time to become the student to learn. I don't care what age you are. We can always learn something. I learn things all the time, even from people that could be, you could be my kid for crying out loud. They're like, I learned something from my son who taught me something just recently. It was technology based, of course, because I'm not technical in any regards. But nonetheless, it's just always for sales, always learning and applying, learning and applying and continuously working on your communication. It is imperative because without getting better at communication, that's going to be the difference with someone being, you know, a master in their craft of sales 
versus just being, you know, an average salesperson. Yeah, I, I'm going to throw in a little extra. I, I'd say, number one, learn to be a better question asker. Stop worrying about pitching. Learn to be a better question asker. Two is, you said it several times, be a good listener. Learn how to actively listen because it's not what most of us do most of the time. And also tell great stories. You want to tell stories of uh, what I call a verbal proof uh, story, yeah. which is a story about somebody else like you, Mr. or Ms. Prospect, who by doing business with me or us lived happily ever after because we have to help our prospects get over the hump of, am I going to make a bad decision? Because that's the way brain science works. We typically think negatively first. So uh, all that stuff. And, and of course, I'm with you too. You know, become a student of sales. I, look, you've been in sales a long time. I've been in sales a long time. I still read books. I still go to seminars. You never know what somebody else has come up with that's really going to make the difference. Absolutely, Jeff. I agree. I mean, uh, something, and you got to love what you do. You know, I, it's, I, I love what I do each and every day. And, and that plays an also important role. You, if you're not, if you're selling something you don't believe in, well, hey, there's other products and services out there, but get get real with this first before you align yourself with you know a new a new situ- a, a new opportunity or an organization or if it's your own business you know if you choose to get into another business. Yeah, I I, I love that point about do something you love. Uh, I'm betting that like me, people often come up to you after a talk because a professional speaker, if they're in their job, well, has to come off as confident. Otherwise, people yeah. aren't going to buy what you're you're saying to them. Yeah. And often I know that people will come up and, you know, they want to shake your hand and thank you so much. And that this was great. And they'll often ask questions because you come off with confidence. And quite often I find the questions have zero to do with my area of expertise. And the one I get most often is, you know, I don't know what to do with my life. What should I do with my life? And my thought in my head is, how would I know what you should do with your life? But my answer is always the same. What would you do if the money didn't matter? And then find a way to make money doing that. Because if you enjoy what you do, if you're actually doing something that you love, you know, the old saying is, you know, find, do what you love and you won't really be working for a day. Like you, I love what I do. I love working with people. I love, I enjoy being with people and I love sharing what I know about selling and sales management. So I'm with you a million percent. Uh, Chris, I'm going to share my screen. Would you like to tell people how they can get in touch with you? If uh, they'd like Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I have my, my email, my website, ChristopherSalem.com, Chris at ChristopherSalem.com. Feel free to reach out. I'm also, my phone number, which is not on there, is 203-733-8469. Send me a text. I, I love to get to know people. It's all about, uh, you know, relationships and getting to know people. And I'd be happy to, uh, you know, sit down and talk with you. And I'm also on LinkedIn as well. So if you want to reach out on LinkedIn at Christopher Salem, happy to do that. And Chris, I know you give talks to major organizations. Do you also work one-on-one with people? Yes, I'm an executive business. I'm an executive coach, so I work one on one, and then I do group, and then I work with uh, organizations anywhere from, you know, from like a it could be a dental office all the way up to Fortune 500. But a, but the bulk of my business is up to 2,500 people at mid-sized corporation level. Got it. Well, Chris, we're, uh, like every one of these interviews, this time has flown by, and I've got a million more questions I'd like to ask you. Maybe you'll come back sometime, but thank you Absolutely. so much for generously sharing your inf- insights today. I really appreciate it, and I'll end this as I always do. Gang, please remember that sales is a game of making things happen, so get out there and make sales happen. Have a great weekend, everybody. Thanks so much, Chris. Thank you so much for having me. Have a great day, everyone. Bye now.